Chapter Five of Chemical Phenomena in Life by Frederick Chopik. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chemical Phenomena in Cytoplasm and Nucleus of Living Cells. The main body of protoplasm, which is surrounded by the hyaline layer of the superficial cell plasma, generally contains finely granulated, slimy masses of a yellowish gray hue, whence it is named polioplasm. The appearance of polioplasm is very different according to the age and the stage of life of the cells. Quite young cells are found equally filled with homogeneous polioplasm. In the midst of this protoplasmatic mass, one perceives a spherical body of more solid condition, which refracts light strongly, the nucleus of the cell. In the course of growth, the polioplasm soon produces drops of liquid contents in greater or smaller number. These drops increase in size, and the polioplasm between them changes into thin lamellae, separating the contiguous cavities. The polioplasma gains the character of a foam. The cavities between the meshes of tough colloid mass are generally known as vacuoles. The further development shows the conflux of several neighbor vacuoles into one of larger size. The meshes of protoplasmatic threads and lamellae become finer and rarer. Only along the cell wall, a thick polioplasmatic layer persists. At last, when the cell has nearly reached the definite size, we see, as a rule, only the polioplasma layer along the cell wall, surrounding one large vacuole which occupies the whole central space of the cell. Even the nucleus, formerly suspended on numerous fine plasmatic threads and lamellae in the middle of the cell, is now situated in the plasma layer near the wall, forming a protuberance in this layer. The general impression is that the mass of protoplasm does not increase when cells are growing in length and diameter. The nucleus, even, looks a little smaller in adult cells than in young ones. Further, the protoplasma must take up a considerable quantity of water to form the vacuoles and to fill them with a watery solution of different substances, which solution is known as cell sap. Doubtless, the mechanism employed in forming vacuoles is connected with the mechanism of growth. The whole bulk of polioplasma does not swell when cells are growing. The quantity of water in polioplasma itself seems to remain constant during the formation of cell sap in the vacuoles. It is noteworthy that the polioplasma remains pressed against the cell wall. Loss of water immediately disturbs this normal state. Leaves, when withering, lose their normal elastic and firm condition, and at once their capacity of growth. Distinctly, the same effect is produced by the action of salt solution. A flower stalk or leaf stalk of fleshy consistence put into potassium nitrate of about 2% very soon becomes unelastic, flexible, like a withered plant, and shortens its length by some millimeters in a length of about 10 centimeters. We learn from this phenomenon that the pressing of protoplasm against the cell wall is due to osmotic forces. Hugo de Vries showed, in 1884, that it is possible to use the suppression of osmotic pressure in cells, or of the cell turgor, as botanists say, by salt solution, for the measurement of the osmotic pressure in normal cells. The procedure is essentially identical with the so-called plasmolysis we have spoken of in a previous chapter. One has to apply solutions of a pure mineral salt of different concentrations. It is usual to take potassium nitrate because it is easily available in quite pure preparations, and because the percentage in solutions is nearly identical 
with the standard gauge in chemical work, the gram molecular solution. Solution of potassium nitrate containing 10.1 grams in 100 grams of water is only slightly more than 10% concentration and is a molecular solution containing 1 gram molecule potassium nitrate, 101 grams in 1 liter of water. If we put sections of plant tissue in different potassium nitrate solutions from 0.05 normal to 0.2 normal strength, we find that the separating of the protoplasm from the walls begins in solutions of about 0.12 to 0.15 normal strength. This salt concentration gives us a gauge for the amount of turgor. De Vries showed that all salts produce the same result at the same concentration in gram molecules. We call such solutions, which have the same osmotic effect, isoosmotic solutions. If we are able to directly measure the osmotic pressure of one isoosmotic solution, for instance of a sugar solution, by an osmometric contrivance, we may transfer this value to the osmotic pressure in the cells. So it was found that the osmotic pressure in cells is equivalent to five and more atmospheres, one atmosphere being equivalent to about 0.3% of saltpeter. The action of polioplasm on the growth of living cells consequently consists in the production of substances which generate osmotic pressure. We know that only such substances as do not penetrate the protoplasmatic layer are capable of producing osmotic effects. It is very little known what substances having that effect are generally produced by plant cells. It is seemingly highly complex acids related to sugar which participate in generating turgor effects in living cells. Introductory to the process of growth, a certain amount of turgor pressure is indispensable. We have to assume that by that pressure, protoplasm as well as the cell wall is thinned and first stretched. Then new particles of cell wall substance are inserted by which process the expansion of the cell wall becomes permanent. The most striking feature of cell life is the fact that an enormous number of chemical reactions take place within the narrowest space. Most plant cells do not exceed 0.1 to 0.5 millimeters in diameter. Their greatest volume, therefore, can only be an eighth of a cubic millimeter. Nevertheless, in this minute space, we notice in every stage of cell life a considerable number of chemical reactions which are carried on contemporaneously, without one disturbing the other in the slightest degree. How can we explain this striking phenomenon? In the first place, we must state that polioplasm is highly specialized in its different parts. Besides the nucleus, which certainly is the seat of most important vital activities, we find many organs which are to be recognized with the aid of the microscope as distinct protoplasmatic organs and we already know the function of many of them. Most plant cells contain clearly differentiated small bodies of different shape, which are employed in the service of the assimilation of sugar and carbohydrates. In common plants they are green in color, and possess the remarkable power of absorbing carbon dioxide if bright light is admitted, and of forming sugar from the carbon dioxide and water. These are the chlorophyll bodies, or chloroplasts. Very little is as yet known about their detailed structure. In my laboratory, it was lately shown that the consistence of chloroplasts is often very soft, very much less solid than the nucleus. They contain a mixture of two kinds of colloids, one of them which swells in water, of hydroid character, 
the other resembles fats and most probably contains the green coloring matter or chlorophyll in life as we may think the lipoid phase is distributed as a very fine emulsion through the hydroid phase there are some other small bodies which are free from coloring matter and which form starch from sugar we call all these protoplasmatic organs which are in the service of carbohydrate metabolism plastids as far as we know they are never formed from other plasmatic parts they always take their origin from mother plastids by cleavage in some plant cells there have been found special plasmatic bodies which form fat but more frequently fat is independently formed in the fundamental plasma substance we may say the same of the protein substances of protoplasm it may be however that for the formation of all these compounds very small centers or distinct organs exist which cannot yet be recognized even by means of the highest microscopical power in any case the parts where the different chemical changes take place must be separated in some way from each other to prevent mixing with other substances in colloid systems as such separating walls we find membranes formed of precipitated solid colloids or gels from the small size of these separated parts the whole protoplasm must have the appearance of a foam formed by gel walls enclosing in its meshes colloids of more liquid state this hypothesis is not without support from experiments the eminent zoologist Bootsley of heidelberg has shown for many colloids both inorganic and organic that they have a foam-like structure which may be in some cases observed through the microscope evidently such foam-like structure in protoplasm must facilitate the great variety of chemical processes carried on contemporaneously in the narrow field of a microscopical living cell these structures can be transitory as well as permanent it is very probable that in the course of evolution the former gave origin to the latter a problem of great interest is the question of the nucleus we know that the lowest organisms such as bacteria and the blue-green algae called cyanophyce do not contain a typical nucleus in the protozoa the nuclei are in many cases of much more primitive structure than in higher animals in the highly organized plants and animals the structure of the nucleus is so intricate as is seen particularly in the process of the cleavage of nuclei that the problem of nuclear structure cannot be longer considered a chemical one the nucleus rather acts as a special organism in the cell to a certain degree plastids may be spoken of in the same way but the bulk of cytoplasma shows clearly by its vital phenomena that it is principally transitory structures such as are found in other colloids that occur there a well-known fact is the streaming of protoplasm streams of liquid colloid matter wander in continual movement through the different parts of the cell carrying with them different bodies very frequently the chloroplasts and in some cases even the nucleus itself very little is known about the reason for this remarkable phenomenon the general impression is that surface tension plays a great part in such plasmatic streaming by continual change of the chemical properties of the plasmatic surface phenomena may result such as are seen in streaming protoplasm in any case permanent structure cannot be given in freely streaming protoplasm which is continually moving in different parts of the cell nevertheless numerous chemical changes of the greatest importance must take place in the streaming polioplasma under the same conditions which are found in other colloids 
just in this territory the chemistry of life may hope to obtain results of the widest significance. End of chapter 5